Hello and welcome to Mac Bites episode 22. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode we'll be looking at routers, Gmail and screen sharing. But it's not all technical, we do review a great little converter application and growls on the prowl. But before all that, let's catch up from last week's show. Now, if you listened to last week's show, you may remember that I had a problem with Calibrate. I wanted to move events from one calendar to another, and I ended up with a duplicate. It copied it. Now, I contacted Calibrate, who asked me to repeat the process with debug mode turned on and send them a copy of the log file, which I have done, and I'm uh, going to wait for them to get back to me, so watch this space. And thanks to Stargate John too for his tip on how to turn off warnings in mobile me syncing. Um, I made the point in last week's show that it warns you if you sync and there are more than a certain percentage um, of conflicts. Anyway, to quote John from the comments on the show notes, to do this, you open iSync, you then go to preferences. You can then change either the percentage before the warning appears or disable it altogether. I know this might sound backwards, but mobile me uses iSync to sync with the devices. And uh, I'm definitely going to do that because uh, that drives me mad on my laptop. And I'm going to slip in a quick tip here as well, which follows on from um, our look at Quicksilver and Launch Bar and the Google Quick Search Box. Um, I was looking for something completely different and found an excellent guide to getting the most from Quicksilver on the uh, Apple blog. Um, as I say, I was looking for something completely different as ever, but this is actually a really good guide to Quicksilver. So I'll add a link to that to the show notes. Yeah, for me, the jaw is still out on the uh, Google Quick Search box. I did try it for a few weeks, uh, but I did find it was quite slow. I tweaked the settings uh, to only list the applications because there is a lot more you can do with it. But too often I find that it chooses Saft when I want Safari. So I might actually go back to Quicksilver. I can sense an opportunity here to convert you to the joys of Launch Bar. This week we attended the uh, Northwest Mac User Group meeting. The talk was all about uh, iWork09 and it was actually great to meet up with some uh, friends again and discuss tech over a glass of pineapple juice. The last of the hard drinkers as well as the last of the big spenders, that's us. Yeah, we know how to live, don't we? We do. Anyway, uh, hi to everyone who went. And uh, the user group is taking a break in August, but they're back in September and we're hoping for lots of snow leopard stuff. Now, Elaine was as popular as ever. In fact, she got jumped on, not literally, I hasten to add, as soon as she walked through the door. Somebody needing tech help, no doubt. Uh, yes, exactly. That, that, that certainly wasn't in the way that uh, your initial uh, speaking there sounded. That was Ray, who had uh, transitioned his broadband to a three wireless dongle, which worked very well, uh, even in our somewhat remote location in uh, the wilds of Warrington. The trouble was that his inbound and outbound mail had become erratic. And uh, he'd been back to three. They assured him the dongle was fine. He'd been to Apple and they assured him that his new MacBook Pro was fine. The trouble was, after three visits to the Apple store, and yes, it was the Trafford Centre, uh, Genius Bar, the mail was worse than it had been when he started. And at that point, he'd had no mail since he last went to the Apple store. So it turned, it turned out, uh, when I had a look at it, that uh, someone, and I don't mean Ray, had changed all the port numbers in uh, mail. And um, he, all he was getting was error messages. Uh, he certainly wasn't getting any email messages. Uh, it was a simple fix which begged the question, what on earth were the geniuses doing? Because uh, they actually made the whole situation worse. He left the store with no mail at all. So um, 
I'll put a link to the correct settings for uh, accessing Gmail via Apple Mail in the show notes. Um, it's not very difficult at all. And following on from last week's sad route to death, um, I've been chatting with Derek Champley on Twitter about an issue that he's been having with his router. Uh, he's on O2 and he's using a TG585 version 7 router. And the rest of iChat works fine, but not the screen sharing. I remember, you know, we had trouble with iChat screen sharing when we first installed Leopard. We did. Uh, it was the first thing I think we tried the night we got Leopard installed. Mike B and I were on iChat anyway, and uh, we decided to give um, screen sharing a go. And we tried every way we knew, and it just wasn't having it. And all we got was a very cryptic screen sharing cannot start error message. So it doesn't give you any clue what's wrong with it either. I knew my router was configured correctly to share because... Um, Computers on my network worked fine with other people's, but Mike B was on B at the time with a B box, probably a Thompson, and um, we failed to ever get it working with that setup. Um, but back then I was with Demon uh, using a Netgear router, and everything worked okay on that, the iChat video, the screen sharing, even back to my Mac. But when we moved to B and we got the B box, which was a, the Thompson router, we couldn't use any of those services either. Um, obviously best not to mention the iPlayer. <clears throat> But uh, on to the useful stuff. What can you do about it if uh, that's the problem that you've got? So uh, really it's just uh, some few pointers to um, point you in the right direction before you start splashing the cash. Uh, point one, make sure that your screen sharing is enabled in the sharing section of your system preferences. And if you can, if you've got two Macs, um, try sharing your screen locally. Um, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can either access it through a finder window. You should see shared as an option under computers and you click on a computer and you'll have a button in the top right where you can share the screen. Or you can actually run the screen sharing app itself and choose a computer to log on to. So um, if you've only got the one, you may need to beg or borrow another one, of course. But it's worth it because it'll prove that your machine's OK um, before you try to, try to fix anything else. Um, another thing, make sure your connection's fast enough. Um, they recommend 300k up and down, but a minimum of 128k. Um, also, of course, firewall router settings, and this is probably where the Thomson router's going badly wrong. Screen sharing needs a set of virtual ports, and those ports must be open in all the network devices and the computers involved in the screen sharing, sharing session. I've got those teeth in from last week, haven't I? Uh, right, I, I will carry on before we dissolve like we did last week. Um, and the emphasis here is on all the devices. It's not just yours. And you're not going to have control of all the devices between you and the person you're trying to share with. So in technical terms, firewalls locally, remotely, and any routers, any hardware or software firewalls, must all be able to pass traffic on a few ports. And those ports are TCP ports 5900 and uh, right up to 5902. That's for a Mac, but if you're trying to share with Windows, then you're going to need 3389 open. And if you want to use back to my Mac, you're going to need UDP port 4500 open. Now, if all that sounds technical, and probably your ears are bleeding right about now, aren't they, Mike? They certainly are. I thought so. Well, fear not, because that's where UPMP or NAT PMP comes in. And I assume you've heard of those, but that's probably as far as it goes. 
having heard of them. Um, well, the good thing about those two things are that they actually do it for you automatically. So if you can find UPnP or NAT PMP uh, in your router settings, make sure it's turned on, really. And the easiest way to test the setup when you're trying to test it uh, remotely via the internet with somebody is to attempt screen sharing with somebody who's already used it successfully on their connection. And at least that will rule out anything other than your equipment or your settings being at fault. Um, apart from then making a suitable sacrifice to the tech gods, um, other things I've heard working for people, and it's a bit, bit odd, but when you're in iChat, if you go to the preferences and choose audio video, there is a bandwidth limit option and initially it's set to none. So there is no bandwidth limit at all. It will just carry on pushing data through. But you do have available options from there to limit the bandwidth. Uh, there's 100k, 200k, 500k, 1 meg and 2 meg. Now pushing too much information seems to choke the system on certain setups. Now we discovered that as we were trying screen sharing just really to see if it would work with one of the computers on a 3G dongle uh, and it did work. The picture was a, a little rough shall we say, pixelated like crazy, but it would connect. Uh, the problem seemed to be as it tried to push a lot of information either up or down and I suspect from the speed settings it was um, the laptop sending the screen up via the dongle that was causing the problem, it would then just disconnect. It couldn't handle the throughput and it would disconnect. So um, that's more relevant if you can connect, but you're getting disconnected. If you can't connect at all, uh, you might find that solves your problem. On the other hand, you might not. I also found a couple of things on the Apple support site, a couple of articles, again, with things that you could try. And I don't know if it's going to be any comfort to Derek, I suspect not, but uh, I got our B-Box out again, the things I do for the show. And I had a go with that, trying to connect to someone on another network whose setup I knew was working. And no matter what I did, it would not connect. Um, the key point here, our B-Box is a 585, which is the same as your O2 router. So I suspect it's the router that's the problem because I could uh, rule out virtually everything else. Now, there's a definite cure for this. If you have access to or you are prepared to purchase um, an Airport Express or an Airport Extreme and use it in bridge mode or buy a new router, um, then that will probably cure the problem. You know, if, if the new router uh, is on the approved list, then it will work. Um, but before you even think of that, um, there are actually other ways to share your screen because obviously buying hardware and reconfiguring hardware, you might not want to do it. You might not want to spend the money doing it. Um, if it's just screen sharing that you're after, there are other ways to do it that aren't quite so hardware demanding. Um, just off the top of my head, there's go to my PC, which I haven't actually tried, but I've heard very good things about. Go to meeting, which I have participated in and the screen sharing worked very well. Uh, there's WebEx, which again, I've participated in, but not hosted. And there's Adobe Acrobat Connect, um, which uh, I've participated in and hosted. And some of those even offer some free options. So uh, that would be a way to share your screen and be able to control other people's um, without fiddling around or spending lots of money. You know, we should do a show about collaborative working uh, because I use WebEx at work. But uh, if it doesn't work, all I do is call a techie. So uh, I'd like to know more about it. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should uh, do that preferably before we get embroiled in all things Snow Leopard, I reckon. Mm, definitely. Is that the techie bit over with? 
Have you had enough now? Have your ears stopped bleeding? Yes. Fair enough. I shall shut up now. Let's move on. Uh, you found a good piece of software on MacZot this week, didn't you? I find good pieces of software all the time. You do. Uh, this one is called a Dragoman. And it's a file converter. It's actually very simple, yet very powerful. Uh, you run it, it brings up a little box on screen, and you drag either a single file or a batch of files up onto a little, little box on the left-hand side. You don't actually need to open the files, you just select them. And then you specify from a drop-down list what you want to convert it to. So it does audio, it does images, it does text. Uh, so if you dragged a, a bunch of JPEGs up, you can then choose on the drop-down list the format you want to take it to. So bitmaps, TIFFs, uh, PSDs, which are Photoshop files, PNGs, even PDFs. It uh, does apparently say that it works with RAW, but it works for you and it doesn't work for me. Of course. According to the website, it actually supports, they say, popular image file formats, uh, as I say, JPEG, PDF, TIFF and PNG, as well as digital camera formats from Canon, Kodak, Sony, Nikon, Olympus and Fuji. And mine is Fuji, but as I say, it doesn't work. But I think you'll find not all Fuji RAW is equal. Mm. So it could be the very modern stuff. Um, probably your best bet there is going to be Canon or Nikon. Yeah, well, it worked for you and yours is Canon RAW, isn't it? Well, I'd say um, I can open my Canon files just in preview and you can't open your Fuji ones in preview. So I'm wondering if it utilises the same filters as preview to convert the files. Mm, could well do. As well as doing text, uh, as well as doing um, graphics, it also does text. So you can convert uh, TXT files and HTML files, uh, RTF doc, XML files, and even Safari web ar archive files. And you can convert from one of those formats to one of those formats. It also does audio, and there's about 80 different formats, and that includes WAV, MP3, MP4, and AIFF. Now with MP3, it will convert an MP3 to a different format, but it won't convert to an MP3. So there is a limitation there. It also does CD ripping. It ins you insert your CD, drag the songs into Dragoman, and you're ready to rip. And it also converts archive files, which I think is fascinating. Uh, zip files, tar files, TGZs, and it will even create DMG files. Now, unfortunately, the offer uh, on Maxot is no longer on and at £17.50 it's a little bit expensive but I think it's worth keeping your eye on those offer sites and also the bundle sites. Well, one more thing, uh, I can't not mention the other big news of the week, it bongs on the hour. Big Ben is 150 years old this week. Oh no, here's hoping after this week that app can be deleted never to be heard or indeed heard of again. Anyway, Elaine's been spending again in the App Store, all £1.79 of it, on something called Prowl. Yes, but in my defence, it's just quite simply absolutely brilliant. Sorry, but I just don't get it. So I didn't buy it. Oh, oh dear. Well, it's a unified push notification system for the iPhone. It's a what? Here we go. Big posh phrases. It's sexier than it sounds. It's just difficult to explain. Well, give it a go because I'm not sold on it yet. 
Oh, you make it so difficult. Right. Put simply, Prowl takes your growl notifications from your computer and displays them on your iPhone. Well, that dis that explains my lack of enthusiasm. I've not installed Growl. Something else installed it, but, you know, I just find it distracting. Well, you could always turn it off. Yeah, but then I'd have nothing to moan about. True. OK, another approach. Uh, why do you find it distracting? Well, you've got all these notifications flying all over the place. But that's what Growl is. It's an application whose sole function is to provide feedback or notifications from other apps, uh, the apps that have hooked into the Growl system. So, for example, I get them from Speed Download, Stuff It, Tweety, uh, FTP Client, Mail. Drives me potty. Well, it could be worse. Much worse. Have you tried the speech notifications at all? I dread to think. Oh, oh, here are some of the very, very best. This is a preview of the speech display. 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 That would definitely drive me potty. I take it all back. Those screen notifications aren't that bad after all. I know. Alex wasn't bad, but the others are horrendous. Uh, and FYI for the listeners, if anybody did like any of those, they were Alex, Deranged, Hysterical, The Spooky Whisper, and Good News. Yeah, I'd be deranged listening to all those. But to get back to my mail issue, I used to keep getting mail notifications. No, no. You just think that you did. No, I'm sure I did. No, those notifications were probably from Spamsive. Um, I know that you reinstalled Spamsive after you installed Growl or after something else installed Growl for you. And that will have enabled Growl integration in Spamsive. Uh, what happened for me was I installed Growl after Spamsive initially uh, and Spamsive wasn't giving me any growls. But when I rebuilt my machine, I started getting these notifications from Spamsive that I'd never had before. And they're not actually accurate. Uh, you only get an option to use Growl or not. You can't be more precise with the type of notifications. And mine's on uh, getting mail from an IMAP server. So it's constantly giving me incorrect information about the number of mails. Um, and who the mails are from, etc. It might be telling me about mails that I've already downloaded. Uh, mail itself doesn't give you Growl support out of the box. You have to install something called Growl Mail, and that you will find in the Growl installer, the DMG. So to get extra options in the, the mail preferences, uh, you can be much more precise with the content of the notifications. Um, you can say who they're from, which account they're from, etc. So um, the Integration with mail ships separately, but it is very, very good. You know, I'm not sure I'd want notifications even for mail. Um, I try and follow some of the GTD principles, the getting things done. And one of those says don't constantly have your mail on. Uh, so have your mail open, say, first thing in the morning, uh, middle of the day and then later on. Because otherwise you'll get distracted by that ding and the little envelope icon. Of course, I'm talking Outlook there. Um, 
but in, in the Mac, the, the little badge in your dock that shows the number of new mails that you've got. Because if you do hear that ding, you do see the envelope icon, um, your natural reaction is to want to go in and check the mail and see who it's from. So if you've got these notifications flashing up all over the place, it's uh, to me, it's even more distracting. Oh, there's always one. Uh, fair point, um, but there's still valid reasons to use Growl even if it's just to turn off the notifications. Yeah, go on. Right, Growl installs into your system preferences, so it allows you to configure lots of options for how and when the application feedback is given to you. So you can manage everything on a pretty granular level from those options, so you can do it on a per app basis from within the Growl system within your system preferences. So a huge benefit is that you get standardised notifications. Now, if you think about things like um, iCal, iCal, when it gives you a notification, it's a proprietary iCal notification that probably pings up in the middle of your main screen. Um, if you think about toast, when that's done, instead of giving you a nice quiet growl notification, again, it pings and it, it pops up a modal dialog box. Um, and something like Chronosync as well. Again, it's got its own proprietary system. So uh, I think that pings um, and again, it, it flashes and things move in the dock. So they're all very distracting in totally different ways. But with Growl, any app that uses Growl for its feedback, the feedback can be displayed in the same location, in the same style, and it can be turned off en masse when required. Well, that's a good selling point, being able to turn the notifications off in one place. So, can any app use Growl? No, sadly not. Uh, the, the app needs to be Growl enabled, and that means that the app developer needs to hook into the open notification platform that Growl provides. And there are a lot of applications, though, that are enabled that way. And there's a, a list at growl.info slash applications.php. So you can get um, a categorised list of applications at that address. You know, I think I can see the point of it now. Uh, for example, if I'm downloading a load of podcasts, it would be good to get notified that the job was done. You see, I knew I'd win you around in the end. Um, that would probably need some scripting because, as with Mail, Apple haven't really embraced the Growl concept yet, uh, but I'm sure it can be done. Um, one thing I've got scheduled to try this week is OmniGrowl from Wooden Brain. Um, now, that will give you Growl enabling even uh, in apps that aren't Growl enabled, and it will also um, give you Growl on more events so it, it integrates with iCal. So, I'll let you know how I get on with that next week. But uh, the integration that I do find most useful is that mail notifier, which does need to be installed separately, but it's very configurable. Um, and you can change all the options for each mail notification. Uh, and I found it useful to actually include images from the address book. Um, I don't find those notifications as irritating as you do, because I look at it, I think, in a different way. Um, I look at it like this. I can see who the mails are from with just a glance. And I can decide not to interrupt what I'm doing to go and check who the mails are from, only to find out that they're sort of newsletter subs and they, they could have waited. So I don't have to change spaces. I don't have to bring mail to the front or maximise it or anything else. I can just glance at the growl and carry on working. So although initially you think it would be distracting, I actually find I'm less distracted. OK, so I think I get growl now, but uh, where does this prowl fit in? 
Right, Prowl is an iPhone app, hence the £1.79, um, that displays all your Growl notifications via push notifications to your iPhone. Now, I'll admit I was sceptical, but I decided in, in the name of science to give it a go and uh, it works perfectly. Yeah, I've heard quite a lot about these push notifications uh, without actually seeing any evidence of them on my phone. Yeah, uh, I didn't see any notifications about any indication that there was anything there either. But the notification option only appears when you have at least one push-enabled application installed. Although Mobile Me is push, isn't it? It is, but it's proprietary push um, and it's not controlled from the notification option. Uh, you've got to go uh, into Mail, Contacts and Calendars, Fetch New Data instead. And that's the potential problem with all these push-enabled applications. If they each have their own settings for enabling and disabling the push, it would take an age to um, go dark. So, for example, when you're going into a meeting... Uh, unless you elected to turn off all notifications, you could be there quite some time um, turning them on and off in applications one by one. And that's where Prowl comes in. Like Growl, it's a single application to control notifications from as many sources as, as um, applications use to, them to hook into. So it means that you can quickly control all notifications in one place and it gives you the best of both worlds. You've got push notifications when you want them, but the ability to control them all from that single control point. So how are the two linked together? Yeah, now that confused me at first as well. I thought, right, so I've got this on the phone and I've got this on the desktop. Right, what you do is you go to the App Store and you buy Prowl and install it on the iPhone. You then need to download and install a free plugin um, for Growl on your Mac. Once you've done that, you need to go to the Prowl website and, to, and create an account. Now, that sounds, oh dear, an account, right? The account's free, as I say, and it doesn't even need an email address. All you need is a username and a password. You then go into your Growl settings in your system preferences and you change the style of your notification in Growl to Prowl. For all, either make that your default setting or change it to Prowl for just those applications that you want to keep track of when you're mobile. Prowl will drive me mad you know, with all those unzip, download, complete messages I get when I'm working at my Mac. If they're all going to transfer onto the phone, you know, it's, it'd be going all day. Well, they've thought of that and uh, Prowl won't start receiving notifications uh, if you enable this option until your Mac has been idle for a set period of time. So you can say, um, don't send any messages from Growl to Prowl uh, until my Mac has been idle for five minutes, ten minutes or however long you choose. So if you're actually sat there with your iPhone next to you and you're unzipping files, I agree with you, you don't want those messages um, going to your phone. So you can set it for maybe two minutes or something like that and you would get the best of both worlds. Uh, you can also specify the priority of the growls that get forwarded. So maybe only send those um, messages on that are marked as high or emergency. They also provided a pass-through setting. So if you think about it, how Growl works is you specify which um, display you would like for your messages. And if you change that from your preferred default to uh, Prowl, then you're not going to get your normal messages. So they provide this pass-through where you can pass through the original messages as well. So you get the messages on your desktop Mac and you get the messages on your iPhone as well. 
When you get this passed through and you've got your user-specified period of inactivity, Growl then sends the notifications up to the Prowl server and then that passes them down or pushes them to your iPhone. So you can disable the notifications on the iPhone, um, in which case the notifications get queued on the Prowl server and they get forwarded to you en masse when you re-enable push. So if you go into a meeting and you think, well, I don't want this thing buzzing or, or beeping at me, and you just turn it off, as soon as you come out, you re-enable push and all the messages come down. Mm, it sounds great. Um, real true push technology, isn't it? It is. I might be tempted, you know. <sighs> I knew it. I knew it. However, are there any gotchas? Oh, dear. Uh, there's a few requirements, shall I say. Um, you need an always-on Mac, uh, something I already have for spam filtering, which um, I'm sure we discussed at some length when we discussed getting our iPhones. Uh, I'd, I'd guess that's the biggest issue for a lot of people. Um, so you, you do need an always-on Mac because it's that Mac that you're going to get your Growl notifications passed on from. Um, as I said, you do need an account with Prowl, but you don't need to give them uh, any details at all, really, just a username and password, which could be anything. Uh, there is an option to give them your email address, but that's really just to remind you of your password should you forget. Uh, I suppose another thing to think about is some people have privacy concerns. And if you think about what actually happens when this system kicks in, um, the content of your mail, for instance, that's probably going to be the biggie. The contents of your mail, so maybe the first five lines of it, get passed into Growl, which get passed on to the Prowl servers. So from a privacy perspective, you may have um, parts of your mails on the Prowl servers. So um, you'd have to make your own mind up about whether you, you were happy about that. Uh, I work on the principle that email's inherently insecure anyway, uh, and I, I don't tend to worry about that. So um, I think the biggest thing for people is going to be having an always on Mac. Yeah, well, I always leave my Mac on anyway, except last week when it got too hot, I decided to turn it off for the day. But apart from that, I think I'd be OK. Yeah, I think um, I found leave it. I mean, my Mac was pretty much always on anyway. Um, but once I started using mail on my iPhone, um, I found that if mail wasn't running on my desktop, the amount of spam that I was getting was absolutely ridiculous. So um, I reconfigured all my mail a year ago. It's uh, a year that we got our iPhones. Mm, happy um, birthday, I, iPhones. Yes, happy birthday, iPhone. I made it a much uh, simpler configuration completely. I have all my mail accounts forwarding on to a single mail account. Um, so I only actually have two mail accounts in mail. Uh, one's my default mail and the other one's my .mac mail or my mobile me mail. Um, and I found that if I left mail running and I leave SpamSiv running, then when the mail is checked, obviously this is all IMAP mail, so it's actually on the server and I'm just looking at it on the server through mail. I find that it will spam filter for me uh, and that spam filtering then ripples through to the iPhone when I'm on the road. And I can certainly tell if my desktop Mac has got a problem where mail stops running because I immediately start getting lots of spam on my iPhone. So um, I think for spam filtering alone, it's worth leaving it on. And now prowls about then uh, doubly so. And uh, a couple of great uses that I've made of this just this week. Um, I use Net Newswire as my RSS feed reader. 
Um, and I have a fair few RSS feeds in there. But uh, it is growl enabled. The problem with the growl enabling that it's got is it only gives you a notification for a mass update. It will just say I have updated X number of feeds. So there is no notification for um, specific RSS feeds at a very granular level. So um, when I've got um, one or two RSS feeds I'd like to keep a closer track of, um, I found a way to do it now, uh, even out on the road without checking and with no push enabled application to do it. What I've done is I've taken the feed into mail app. Now I only have a couple of RSS feeds in mail. Uh, you could have more and then only enable a few, but as I say, I, I don't particularly want uh, all my RSS things bouncing into my inbox. I'd be lost, but just for a couple that I want to keep a closer eye on when I'm out. I add the RSS feed to mail and then if you right click on it, you get an option to enable um, showing that RSS feed in your inbox. Now, it doesn't move it to your inbox. So it doesn't mean when you're out on the road, you can look at your inbox and see those items in your inbox, which um, would, would have been nice. That would have been a way to, to do this before now. But what it does do, it just lets you view them through your inbox on your desktop. But of course, as soon as they appear in your inbox, Growl gives you a notification to tell you that they're there, which Prowl passes on to you on the road. So you, in effect, get an individual notification for each individual feed item that gets added to that feed via mail. So that was um, an amazing achievement. I was really pleased with that because it meant when I was out, I, I could get just that, those couple of feeds. I could get all the information as and when it happened. The second thing I did, and you probably saw me at the Mac group meeting, uh, fiddling around with my iPhone, um, I left Tweety running on my desktop. Now, I've not noticed in Tweety yet, despite a few updates, any options to um, set um, how frequently it checks for new tweets. Um, what I was doing with TweetDeck was I think it checked every minute. Um, but Tweety, I don't think you can actually change that. And I'm not sure how many times in the hour it does check. But with the appy limit just being up to 150, I figured I could leave Tweety running on my desktop um, and use Tweety while I'm out on the road as well and not go over that appy limit. So I left it running, uh, handling multiple accounts, and I set the preferences for each account. So when you set the preferences in Tweety, if you've got multiple accounts, you can set the preferences per account. So I set it to give me a growl notification for mentions and DMs on a couple of accounts. And obviously, once I'd left the house, um, the growl notifications came through, got passed to Prowl and passed down to me on the road. So I didn't actually, I probably saved on Appy Calls. Instead of constantly checking to see if I got any mentions or DMs, um, I knew about them and I could just go in and answer them as and when. So after those two um, uses for it, I don't think I'd bother specifically looking for apps that had push enabled um, unless they offered something considerably more because this just works brilliantly for me. Uh, it actually works better than I thought it would when I splashed out on it. Oh, 
£1.79. I just find that really, really um, good value and it works fantastically well. I thought what would happen is I'd probably get um, a couple of notifications and then it'd probably go down or whatever. But it, for me, anyway, it seems to have worked really, really well. Even if I just disappear into the garden with my iPhone for 10 minutes, um, once the, the machine's been left for a couple of minutes, uh, my mail start coming through to it and um, I'm probably tempted to stay out of the office even longer. So, have I managed to persuade you of um, all its benefits? Maybe. I'll let the listeners know next week. You know you always come round to my way of thinking in the end. I do. In the end. It does take time, doesn't it? It's a very slow burn. Anyway, on to feedback and comments. So, thanks for all the feedback this week, uh, both on the website and Twitter. We've got a lot of feedback via Twitter. And Lucy C asks if you would write up a blog post about your outlook to iCal via Google process. God, that sounds complicated. Um, there were quite a few steps to it and she was worried she'd miss something out. Yeah, I'll get around to that someday, maybe. Oh, dear, it's not going on that list, is it? Back to the GTD again. There's a GTD joke for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the thing. If you miss something out in uh, something as complicated as that, then the rest of it will never work, will it? Anyway, I will see that he puts that on his someday soon list rather than his someday maybe list. And we've also got some events as well. Uh, the next MacBytes live event is this Thursday, which is the 16th of July at 8 o'clock British summertime. And it's all about getting audio and video on the web in Flash. So for more information, go to digital-iq.co.uk and uh, you will see all you need to know from there. And the URL for it is really simple, couldn't make it any simpler. It's macbytes.co.uk slash live. So we'll be there from about quarter to eight um, for chatting and we will hang around at the end and chat into the small hours if... Um, it goes as it usually does. Chat into the small hours. And of course, don't forget the calendar that I sweated blood on last week. Uh, you can subscribe to the MacBytes Live Events calendar at macbytes.co.uk slash live calendar. So again, a very simple URL. And that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your questions and your comments and your queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. Or you can even send us an audio file. And we now have a contact form on the website, so that's another way to let us know what you think at uh, macbytes.co.uk. You can keep up to date with what we're doing via the website, as I said, macbytes.co.uk, and via Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash thomasmike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So until next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. See you next time.